Welcome back to Equity Tutors. Today we're going to continue talking about DNA and protein synthesis. So I'm just going to jump straight in, start with a little bit of revision from my previous lesson where we talked about DNA structure and replication. So there are a lot of parallels with the process of DNA replication and then looking ahead to transcription and translation and just try and keep them there as, as separate as you can in your mind for now but as I said the process is very similar in the DNA unwinding and coming back together but I want you to nail down take a step back to start with to fully understand which what each process is responsible for. So what does, what does replication mean? What does transcription mean? What does translation mean? I don't want you to be in an exam think, at looking at a question on replication and thinking, okay, which one is this? I want you to really understand what I mean by replication. What does replication mean? It's the DNA replicating. What does transcription mean? I'm transcribing the DNA code. What does translation mean? I'm, I'm translating the code of the DNA or RNA into a protein code, okay? So we're obviously going to go through this in much more detail. Just So firstly, let's just go over the basics of DNA structure that we, did, we went over last lesson. So DNA is a polymer of nucleotides. So nucleotide is the monomer of DNA. So nucleotides consist of a pentose, a carbon sugar, a phosphate group, and a, crucially a nitrogen containing organic base. The nitrogenous organic base is essentially what makes each nucleotide different and therefore what makes every gene different and every protein different. So in terms of the structure overall of the DNA, think back to the helical structure. So um, we have two long polynucleotide chains going in opposite directions bound together by hydrogen bonds and they twist around each other to form this helix. You will have learned from Lauren's lessons that DNA wraps around proteins called histones. They're tightly coiled around those proteins. That is how we are visibly able to see DNA in cells and we call these structures chromosomes. So chromosomes are histones plus DNA, the entire structure. Okay, so now that we are re-familiar with the DNA structures, I want to zoom back out to a concept you may be familiar with, the central dogma from your GCSEs. So this is just saying that this is just going over the process of making a protein from DNA. So every part of our DNA, the purpose of our DNA is that it encodes for proteins. And each gene will encode for a different protein. So... You have your DNA structure, the double helix. Transcription is the process where we go from DNA to RNA. So we are transcribing. So to transcribe is to write. We're going to rewrite part of that DNA, copying it essentially into a piece of RNA. And then translation is translating the, the DNA code, which has been copied in this piece of RNA into a protein structure. Now that hopefully that is more clear, if it is not clear, go back and listen to it again. DNA transcription to RNA, RNA translation to protein. So I want to start with the genetic code and understanding how DNA encodes for amino acids and proteins and also some of the characteristics of the genetic code that make it fit for purpose. So what does the genetic code mean? It's the order of bases in the DNA. 
So it's the order of those nucleotides and the bases that are attached in those nucleotides. And each triplet, so each three bases referred to as a codon, is complementary for a particular amino acid. So if you have AAA, it will encode for a particular amino acid. If you have CCC, it's going to encode for a different amino acid, etc., etc. And you do not need to remember in any way, shape or form which codons encode for which amino acids. You may be given a table in an exam, um, giving you some examples of these. So perhaps they'll tell you TAG encodes for an amino acid letter K and you may need to work things out that way, but you definitely do not need to remember. With this in mind, when we think about a gene, a gene is a base sequence of DNA that codes for the amino acid sequence of a polypeptide. So now we know the definition of a gene. There are a couple of other definitions you need to know. The second one is a locus. So a locus essentially refers to a location. So if I asked, if I wanted to describe the location of a gene, I might say it's on chromosome number three, and then give the location in terms of the number of nucleotides into that sequence where the gene is located. So that is what a locus means. And then if we are talking about an allele, so we have two copies of our entire DNA, one from our mother, one from our father. So when I'm referring to a gene, all of our genes are different. So when I refer to the word gene, so the gene that encodes for eye color, for example, that is going to be, I'm referring to the sequence of amino acids in your DNA, which is encoding for your eye color. However, you may have one gene which is encoding for brown eyes and one gene which is encoding for green eyes. And those variants of the same gene are referred to as alleles. So we have three definitions we need to remember. Gene, which is a sequence of bases on a DNA molecule coding for a sequence of amino acid. The location of the gene is called the locus. And an allele is a variation of the gene. So now let's go back to our genetic code. So as I said, each three nucleotide bases, a set of three nucleotide bases referred to as a codon, will encode for a different amino acid. So what are the features of the genetic code that you need to know? So first one, it is non-overlapping. So what does this mean? It means that each triplet is only read once. So if you have a sequence of ATG, T-A-G-C-C-C, what that means is that it doesn't restart on the second letter. So once it's read A-T-G, it moves on to the next three. So you don't then restart reading at the second nucleotide. It reads the first three, moves on to the next three. So there's no overlap between the codons. Another feature you need to know is that the genetic code is degenerate. So this means that more than one triplet codes for the same amino acid, reducing the number of mutations. Now there are 20 different amino acids in the body. So we have four different nucleotide bases. 
but we actually have 20 different amino acids. Now, if you wrote out all the different combinations of those four nucleotide bases in different formations um, as codons, you may work out that there are actually 64 possible combinations. However, we only have 20 different amino acids. So what this means is that you can have more than one triplet representing the same amino acid. So for example, ATG may result in the same amino acid being translated as TGA. And this is a benefit because it means that they not if you make a mistake in the DNA sequence when it's being replicated or when it's being translated, which does happen, and that is something we're going to go on to discuss further on in the module, then there's less of a chance. It doesn't always necessarily mean that there will be a mistake in the protein being synthesized. Another feature of the genetic code is that we have start and stop codons. So what this means is that when, for example, you have a codon such as ATG, this triggers the start of a gene being translated into a protein. And similarly, we also have stop codons. So when you reach a stop codon, it tells the machinery synthesizing that protein to stop adding amino acids to the end. And this refers to another feature that you need to know about, and it's, this is that not all DNA, actually the majority of DNA, does not encode for proteins. Scientists actually do not know what the majority of DNA does. So, and we refer to these parts of the DNA as introns. So these are non-coding parts of DNA. Sometimes they can be translated with the DNA as well and remove afterwards. But a lot of the time they're not translated at all and they're essentially just separating different genes at different locations on our DNA. And the parts that are translated are referred to as exons. So just to go over those last two features again, we have start codons and stop codons telling the protein synthesis machinery where to start and stop translating different genes. And then we also have introns and exons, and these and introns referring to the non-coding parts of DNA, and exons referring to the coding parts of DNA. And then the final feature that I want you to learn about, and this is that the DNA code is universal. So what I mean by this is that every living being which has DNA all use the same code. The ATG codon means the same in a human as it does in a bacteria. It is a universal language or universal code. So just to summarize, you need to know the definitions of a gene, an allele and a locus. You need to know that the genetic code is non-overlapping, it is degenerate, it has non-coding regions and it also has start and stop codons. So now that I've introduced you to some of the basic um, ideas of the, of the genetic code and how it works, I actually now want to go through the process of transcription. So I'm going to go through it to start with in very basic terms and then we can go back and go over in more detail. So remember, transcription is the process of getting from DNA to RNA. So what is the point of this process? 
your DNA is really long, basically. You don't want to have to copy the whole sequence of DNA just because you want one gene to be expressed. So what happens in your body, generally, is that, um, for example, say you eat a meal and you need some insulin. Your cells communicate with one another and are told, we need to make more insulin, Therefore, they go to the gene encoding insulin and start to transcribe just that gene at that location to create an RNA molecule which is containing all the genetic information needed to make the insulin protein. So let's take it step by step. The hydrogen bonds between the complementary bases break due to the action of an enzyme, and the DNA uncoils, separating the two strands and exposing the organic bases. So, so far, very similar to, to replication. But remember here, we're just gonna, this is just happening at one location. In replication, we're copying the whole DNA. So here, we're opening up the DNA at the location that we want. So the location containing the gene that we want transcribed. The hydrogen bonds are breaking between the complementary bases. There's an enzyme that uncoils the DNA and this separates the two strands and exposes the organic bases. Again, similar to replication, we now have these exposed organic bases and what happens when we get the exposed organic bases in replication they start to pair up with free nucleotides. So free nucleotides start lining up complementary bases, pairing with bases on the nucleotides of the open DNA strand. It's the strand that's been used as a template is called the antisense strand. So not both strands are being used to copy the RNA, just the one strand. We refer to this as the template also called the antisense strand, which means the other strand not being used as the template is called the sense strand. So the free nucleotides start pairing up on a complementary basis against the temp template or antisense strand. And again, the same as replication, the enzyme RNA polymerase catalyzes the formation of phosphodiester bonds to form that sugar phosphate backbone until it reaches a stop codon at which point the polynucleotide chain is stopped. At this stage, the RNA then slowly moves away, detaching from the DNA template strand, and the DNA strands come back together, and the RNA moves away. Now, in eukaryotic cells, this is referred to as pre-RNA, and this is because of a um, factor I just referred to earlier, because sometimes the pre-RNA will also contain introns. And so before we refer to it fully as mRNA, that's messenger RNA, the introns need to be removed. So once the introns are removed, we now refer to this as messenger RNA, which moves out of the nucleus through the nuclear pore and attaches to a ribosome in the, in the cytoplasm. And ribosomes, as you know, are the site for protein synthesis. So before I go over that uh, one more time, I want to introduce you um, more formally to the concept of messenger RNA. So messenger RNA is what I just is essentially what is formed from transcription. So it's a long single strand 
of nucleotides created during transcription in which the base sequence is complementary to DNA. So we've essentially just made a copy of a gene is the point of this process. So just to go over it again, the, the double-stranded DNA helix opens up using an enzyme. Free nucleotides then attach to the template or the antisense strand on a complementary basis, forming a strand of RNA. Phosphodiester bonds are formed by an enzyme called RNA polymerase, which catalyzes the formation of the phosphodiester bonds and forms that sugar phosphate backbone in the RNA. The mRNA then moves away and the DNA joins back together and recoils. What all we've done is just opened up a little portion of DNA, photocopied one piece of it, taken the photo photocopy away and the DNA is wound back up again. Then after that photocopy called mRNA is taken away, the photocopy is edited a little bit just to remove the bits that we don't need, known as introns, so they are bits of the DNA, now the RNA, which are not coding for any protein. And then once that is done, we have the fully formed mRNA and it's free to leave the nucleus via a nuclear pore to the ribosome to form a protein. So that is transcription. So something we will be doing in the follow-up lesson and a super common exam question is you are given a DNA sequence and you need to trans translate that into an RNA sequence. So remember two things when you answer these questions. It is going to be complementary. So if it's a C on the DNA, your complementary strand will be a G. So that is one factor you need to consider. The second factor is that remember it is being translated to an RNA strand, not a DNA strand. And what do we know is the difference in bases between DNA and RNA is the presence of a uracil or a thymine. So remember in these questions, if there is an adenine, an A on the DNA, that the complementary base on the RNA will be a uracil and not a thymine. And as I said, we will be practicing these questions in my follow-up lesson. I highly recommend that you do listen to that as well on our Patreon page. So the second type of RNA that I want you to learn about today is transfer RNA. So I want you to just think about transfer RNA as just being structural in the cell. I almost do not want you to even consider it to be an RNA because it can be a little bit confusing. It is made out of RNA, yes, but it more acts like a structural anchor in the context that I'm about to teach. So transfer RNA is a small molecule made up of around 80 nucleotides. It is a single strand that is folded into a cloverleaf shape. And there are two different important ends to the transfer RNA. On one end, an amino acid is able to attach and on the other end you have an anticodon. So you have three nucleotide with their bases exposed which are complementary to different codons. And this is how the transfer RNA is how we translate DNA code into protein code. What is protein code? Amino acids. So this is how we are translating a DNA into protein via transfer RNA. 
So it has an amino acid stack on one end and an anticodon on the other end. So when that anticodon binds to a codon on RNA, it says this codon encodes for this amino acid, which is on the other end of the transfer RNA. So let's go over translation step by step. Firstly, mRNA attaches to a ribosome. So we already know that. So the mRNA, which has been transcribed in the previous process we just explained, and exits the nucleus via the nuclear pore and attaches to a ribosome. So the transfer RNA is going to attach itself to the mRNA by complementary base pairing. And then what's happening in the adjacent codon, so say you have TGA, TGA, which are both, for example, encoding for amino acid L, you have one tRNA bound to one codon, one TGA with an L attached, and then the next codon, also TGA, will have another molecule of tRNA attached, also with an L attached at the other end. And the amino acids attached to the two tRNA molecules then join together by a peptide bond. At this point, the tRNA then detaches from the amino acids and also the mRNA, leaves the area, and what that leaves is a chain of amino acids which are encoding for the sequence of codons. And this process is repeated and repeated down the sequence of the mRNA until you get a long chain of amino acids. And what does a chain of amino acid form? A protein. So, just to go over that again, mRNA from transcription moves out of the nuclear pore in, and attaches to a ribosome. On the ribosome, the tRNA has an anticodon complementary to every codon present on the mRNA, binds to the mRNA, and then at the other end of the tr, the other opposite end of the tRNA, there is an amino acid attached. On the next codon down, the same thing is happening. You have another tRNA binding via its anticodon to the codon on the RNA and an amino acid on the other end. Those two amino acids, which are now adjacent to each other, form a peptide bond, at which point the tRNA leaves the area, leaving behind an amino acid sequence. This is repeated for the whole sequence of the mRNA until a long polypeptide chain is formed until it reaches, of course, a stop codon. And that ends the process of protein synthesis. And some facts about this process, so a ribosome can join up to 15 amino acids per second, so this is a super quick process, and up to 50 ribosomes can move along the same strand of our mRNA behind one another so that several proteins can be actually assembled simultaneously. So we're not just making one copy of the protein, we're making loads of protein at the same time. Okay, so this is some of the most visually difficult parts of all of A-level biology, in my opinion, to visualise in your head. Um, so I always recommend watching YouTube videos, obviously looking, if you need to pause and take 10 minutes just to stare at the images I have on the slides or the images I've attached below, just until you understand the processes. 
And then what I also would, my second tip is to make sure that you understand the bigger picture of what is going on. Because I know that I used to do revision on transcription, translation, replication, and I would always mix up which is which. And the only way you're ever going to remember which is which is by taking a step back and say, okay, what is the point of what is going on? So replication, we are replicating our entire DNA when we're forming a new cell. And in that situation, I want to do the whole molecule of DNA because my new cell needs all of my DNA. When it comes to transcription, I am transcribing Think of the literal definition of transcribe. I'm making a copy of, I'm writing a copy of my DNA. So transcription, we're going from DNA to mRNA. And then translation, I am translating the code of RNA into a protein code. As ever, as I always say in my revision sessions, and I will be going over specifically for today, I recommend everybody makes a glossary specifically for this for this module and this topic especially, I think it's important because if you don't understand the basic words, if you don't understand the difference between a gene and, a different, and an allele or what a locus is, you're not only going to get tripped up on those, you know, on the nose questions where they ask you what is the definition of a gene, you're going to get tripped up when things get more complicated. But what I will say is that once you have practiced these types of questions, they actually become very easily easy because the questions tend to be very similar in every exam. So I won't cover mutations and genetic variations today in case some of you are wondering where this part of the module is. Um, I'm just going to leave it at transcription translation for today because it is a lot of information thank you so much for listening remember you can access additional content on our patreon page by searching for equity tutors where we have a second 30 minute lesson every week plus monthly bonus content you can also find us on most social media platforms we will keep you updated on new content and you can find us there by searching for equity tutors uk Please like, share, subscribe and comment wherever you are listening. And if you're enjoying, please leave a review. Bye. Bye.